Good evening, everyone. As always, hope you guys have had a blessed day today. It continues to be blessed. All right, well, as from the title, we'll be talking about the wisdom of God or man. So basically the question is, do you have the wisdom of God or the wisdom of man? Because there is definitely a huge difference between the two. And we're going to take a deep dive into the Bible and see what it says about this. So, Minister Banks wants to take it away. Go ahead. Um, before we begin, as always, we try to remember to say a prayer before. So, if uh, anyone that will, um, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for being so gracious to us, so kind, so loving, so merciful. Thank you, Lord, for everything you do for us. Lord, we're praying right now for this Bible study, uh, for this live stream that it will continue to go forth, that your word will continue to spread. And Lord, we pray that you receive all the glory out of it, that nothing comes back on us because there's nothing special about us. I mean, it is you through all of this. So we're praying, Lord, that you receive the fruits from this, Lord, and that you continue to bless us to do this. And Lord, we're praying for all the sick, the shut-in, the afflicted, Lord, all the people going through so many trials and tribulations, Lord, that they would continue to see you. And if they haven't seen you, you're always there, Lord. We know that. But we're praying that they open their eyes to see you. So we're praying so many things for people, Lord. Right now, in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, as Melvin already stated, we're talking about the wisdom of God or man. And particularly... What we're going to look at is how we determine um, if how we determine who we're going to listen to because that come that plays a role uh, into basically what church we go to. A lot of that plays a role in it. Uh, the wisdom that we are walking in every day, and so we're going to look at First Corinthians. The twenty-second chapter, um, and we're going to go back up after that. But we'll we'll start out with the twenty-second verse. First Corinthians, First Corinthians, the first chapter. Oh, okay, chapter one, and twenty-two. Yep. I don't know how I said it, but <laughs> you said the twenty-second chapter. I was like, hey, I wrote that wrong. First uh, Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-two. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Now. We're going to jump back up to verse 17, but Paul here, there has been some division in the church in Corinth, um, and there's a lot of division today. But here, Paul lets us know the Jews, they were requiring a sign. They wanted a sign. They told Jesus, tell us what the signs are going to be when you come again. They wanted to know the signs, but the Greeks... Greeks are seeking after wisdom. The Jews there, obviously they're the Jews, but the Greeks represent the non-Jews. So that's us. Somebody may say, I'm not a Greek, but we're talking about non-Jews. Us today, we're seeking after wisdom. But are we thinking carnally or are we thinking of God? Because When we look at someone who is preaching something to us, 
a lot of times we're looking at the wrong things. But let's go back and see uh, what Paul says. Let's go back and see what Paul says in verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to put them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. So, Paul here, he says, look, even before that, he was talking to this, this church and he was telling them how he was glad that he didn't baptize a lot of them. The reason he said that is because they were fighting over things that did not even matter. We had some people saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of this minister, I'm of that minister. It was all a carnal argument. It had no profit uh, whatsoever. So Paul said he came to preach the gospel, but not with wisdom of words. Now, he's going to be dealing with this wisdom for a while. And so I wanted to talk about how wisdom affects our decisions today. So um, in verse 19, he says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. So if we look at us today, there are certain things that we look at as people and we say, well, that's a wise person there. As far as a minister goes, we start looking at, well, how many followers they got? What kind of church they, what kind of church they in? What, they, what the building looks like? I remember uh, I would invite people to our Tuesday Bible studies. And sometimes people say, well, how many people are going to be there? <laughs> but why is that a concern? What does that have to do with anything? If there is only one person, then that's a blessing. But there are things that we look at. God's not looking at that. God's not concerned with uh, the numbers aspect because God can make up for uh however many people we have he said where there are two or three gathered together in my name he's there he's in the midst he's there but the wisdom of man tells us to look at the amount of people so let's keep going where is the wise where is the scribe where is the disputer of this world hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world mm -hmm. for after that in the wisdom of God the world by the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Even to this very day, the world still cannot determine who God is. Why? Because we look through man's wisdom. A lot of times, to understand this Bible, people say... <laughs> I talk to a lot of different people uh, and a lot of times I'll be talking to someone and I say, yeah, yes, sir, I'm a minister. And they say, well, uh, you got your license? 
But God is <laughs> see that's man's wisdom. Man's wisdom says, I want to see your license. I want to see your license to be a preacher. That's man's wisdom. Now we're not talking about uh being a doctor or uh, a lawyer practicing law. We're talking about God. Now I've never seen in the Bible where God said uh, all right, now I'm calling you to be a preacher, but before you go, let me give you a license before you get out there. <laughs> because that does not prove anything. A lot of times people today, we look at, well, what school did they go to? Did they go to seminary school? So many things that we look at is not of God. God chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. People that say, I'm so wise, I understand what's going on, I'm smart. But God has chosen things to confuse you. So, let's keep going, Melvin. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Mm -hmm. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called God he takes people of low degree and he calls them for his purpose and elevates them to a high degree if we look at Peter and John uh, if we go through the book of Acts it talks about how Peter and John were unlearned men these people in the town, in the city, they determined that these men were ignorant. But God still chose them. God gave the keys to Peter, an unlearned person, someone who people outside of uh, the church would consider ignorant. They're not that smart. Or people even in the church, they said they're not that smart. But they had an understanding, a revelation of who Christ was. And they brought that and they played a, an extremely uh, valuable role in what we know as salvation today. Now, obviously, God could have used someone else, but he chose to use them. And he's done that all throughout time, even go all the way back to Moses. We look at the type of person Moses was. Moses was not um, some mighty person. God chose him and made him into that. Moses said, look, he told God, he said, look, I can't speak that well. I stutter when I speak. I have trouble speaking. But today, that's not so. We, we would, people today would make fun of a person like that. But God chooses people like this to fulfill his purpose, to confuse people who consider themselves wise. Let's keep going, Melvin. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, 
and God has chosen the, the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. So many things that God says, I want you to do it this way, it seems as if it doesn't make sense at all. But he did it that way to confuse the wise. So we have to learn godly wisdom, and that's through the scriptures. He told Tim, Paul told Timothy that. He said, the scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation. But if we don't know the scriptures, it's going to be extremely hard for us to understand godly wisdom. So I want to flip over to chapter 2. And we'll start at verse 1 because Paul is still going to deal with this wisdom thing. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. <laughs> That's wisdom. That's what we're looking for. When we go to hear someone speak, we want to listen to the big words that they have to say. You say, oh, they got a broad vocabulary. They got a, and they got a very large vocabulary. That person is very well spoken. That's what we want to hear. But Paul said, hold on now. When I came to you, I didn't come that way. Came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. He didn't come with man's wisdom. That's what we declare as wisdom today. Oh, they went to school. They got, they got a good degree. They went to seminary school. Oh, they know what they're talking about. Look at how they dress. Oh, that person's so well-spoken. They're so well-dressed. <laughs> they even got their toenails done. So many things that we look at and we declare, man, they got to know what they're talking about. We say, look at the following that they have on Facebook. They have so many, they have thousands, millions of shares, people sharing their videos, people watching their live stream, people going to their church, people sending in money from across the world. We say, they have to know. People will look at someone like the Pope. We said, oh, they're well known. They got to know. They have to understand who God is. But that's not how God operates. That is not how God operates. Let's keep going, man. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Mm -hmm. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of the, and of power. Here we go again. It was not with enticing words. See, a lot of times when we when we choose who we're going to listen to, we choose to listen to someone that's telling us some things that we want to hear. We like to be enticed. <laughs> uh, there are some things that we want to hear is nowhere near the truth. But it sounds good. Paul talked about it in one place. He said, people are going to have itchy ears. They're going to heap to teachers having itchy ears. Things that they want to hear. It sounds so good to the ear. The way they made those things connect, it sounds so good to the ear. But that's not how God operates. Paul said he came in demonstration of the spirit and of the power. Paul practiced what he preached. He didn't just say things and not do them. 
And moreover, Paul was not a burden to the people. Paul said in one place, he said, though we be poor, we make many rich. It is God's desire for the preacher to deliver the people. That's God's desire. And so that's really the that's really how God is confusing uh, the wise today because the way God truly wants his church set up, we're going, if we understood how that's supposed to look, we'll say that don't make any sense. Why would God want me to do that? Because he said in the book of Acts, all that were together, uh, they had all things coming. But today, we definitely don't want to do that. But uh, let's let's keep going. That in your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul said, that's how I came. I came demonstrating the spirit. He came here in love. He came here demonstrating love. He gave his life for those people. And that's how we are to be today. Paul wasn't asking the people for all their money, for him, for them to take care of him. We seen that in the book of Galatians last week. Paul, he said, I, I, what I've done, I didn't want to give occasion to anyone because I didn't want y'all to say, well, y'all are taking care of me. That's why we don't get on here and ask for people's money because we don't want people to say, well, I'm taking care of them. They wouldn't be able to do anything without me. We are supposed to all be in this together. And so it is really the preacher's job to help the people be delivered. And we're going to see that um, even more if we go to the book. Uh, let's go to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9. And we'll start at verse 13. This wisdom have I seen also under the sun, and it seemed great unto me. There was a little city, and few men within it, and there came a great king against it, and beside, beside it, and built great bulwarks against it. Now, here, now this is the wisdom literature. Here, he says... There was a little city and a few men within it. Now, we have a small city here, and a king came against this city, built a wall around it. Let's keep going, Mel. Now, there was found in it a poor wise man, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Yet no man remembered that same poor man. <laughs> now, this is godly wisdom. God gave that man what it took to deliver the city from this king. <laughs> but yet and still, nobody remembered him. Why? Because they looked at his outward appearance. But the Bible says God looks not on the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. But people are going to continue to look at the condition you're in. We're going to look at the outward appearance. They say, well, that's a black person. I ain't, I'm not, I can't listen to them. 
we say, well, that's a white person. I just can't listen to them. That's an Asian. That's a Hispanic. Whatever it is, we choose so many things, and we determine we can't listen to those types of people. But that's not how God operates. God is not a respecter of person. But so we see the wisdom here. We see the same thing happen uh, with Elisha. Uh, when the king of Syria was coming against the king of Israel, God showed the preacher, <laughs> he showed the preacher just how the king of Syria was going to attack uh, Israel. He revealed that to him. And so the king of Syria set up traps and he, <laughs> he got so upset, he moved the traps around multiple times and he couldn't catch anybody in them. And so he said, somebody here must be working for the other side because there is no way we haven't got anyone yet. But somebody there told him, he said, look, the prophet Elijah, he's the one telling what's happening. He is the one telling the seekers that you're speaking in your bedchamber. See, God knows what we're thinking even when we all alone by ourselves. And he reveals certain things to the preacher. So God is operating through his spirit. And he is bestowing so much wisdom on the true preacher. But we are overlooking that wisdom because we're continuing to look at the outward appearance. We're continuing to look at so many things that God really is not concerned with. God is not concerned with what color somebody is. God is not concerned with how big someone's church is. God is not concerned with how many followers you have on social media. But those are the things that we are concerned with when we determine who we're going to listen to. So, uh, let's keep reading there, Mel. Then said I, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. His words are not heard because he has no reputation. Now, it's incredible to see a lot of times people have no clue of what they're talking about. But because of their status, because of who they are in society, we're willing to listen to every single thing they say. You can take the president. I don't care what president it is. Everybody's going to listen. If he is giving a speech, you're going to see that speech on just about every channel because of the status of the person. But the Bible says God has no respect of person. So we have to change our mindset to fit God's mindset because we, we truly, we're, we're really going down the wrong path because we're being deceived by so many people who really don't know which way to go. The Bible says if the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall into a ditch. But we're being led by spiritually blind people. And of course, we're already spiritually blind because it takes someone to lead us. So we see here just how a person's condition can affect someone. 
just by this person being poor, they completely forgot how he delivered them. And today, God is still choosing poor people today. And those are the very people we look at and say, ah, they, <laughs> I just can't listen to them. I got I to gotta listen to me, a preacher that got some money. <laughs> I got to listen to a preacher that has the big house. But I want to move um, to the book of James. Let's go to James, the third chapter. And verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Now, this is wisdom. This is wisdom. Let him show out of good conversation. Conversation here is talking about his ways. Let him show out of good conversation, good ways, his works with meekness of wisdom. Keep going, Mary. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. He said, if you are fighting amongst each other all the time, if you are lying, so many things we are doing to each other and saying we're wise, even right now, Jesus told us to bless them that curse us. But the way we look at things, <laughs> if someone does absolutely anything to us, and we know they tried to do it, we say, I'm going to get them back. But God's wisdom, the scripture says, vengeance is the Lord's. He said, don't get them back. He said, forgive them. We said, no, no, I'm not doing that. That's, that's not what I'm going to do. But we see how the earthly wisdom that we're walking around carrying, that didn't come from God. But we're saying it does. But James has to straighten it out. He said, no, that's not coming from God. Let's keep going, Mel. For... Yeah, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. And God is not the author of confusion. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partially and without hypocrisy. Full of mercy and good fruits. Merciful, forgiving, without partiality, meaning they don't have respect of person. They don't look at a rich person as being uh, better or they're not willing to consider what a rich person says over a poor person. I don't know. I think it might be in this chapter. It might be in a different chapter. Um, James covered that about being partial. Let's, let's go back to chapter 2. Um, and we'll start at verse 1 because we, we have as people we have a, a huge issue with this my brother have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of glory with respect of persons 
For if there come unto you your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under thy un, under my footstool, are ye not the part are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? That's us. We look at now this is man's wisdom here. We look at what someone is wearing. They said, man, they got a lot of gold on. They must have a lot of money. I wonder who that is. Say, come, come over here and sit in the good spot. We're going to feed you. We're going to take care of you over here because we're looking for something in return. But the poor person said, ah, sit them in the back somewhere. They ain't got nothing for us. They, they, they ain't going to be able to help us out. God, having respect a person, God said, that's a sin. Being partial. So, that's not being wise in God's eyes. That may be wise in our eyes, in, in man's eyes, because in man's eyes, we say, well, if you help out someone who has something, that's going to benefit you because later on down the road, they can give you so many things. They can open up some doors for you. See, <laughs> right now, we go on certain jobs and we try our best to impress the boss because we know that person can give us a job. But some random person you meet on the street, you might not even hold the door open for them <laughs> when you see them walking up. But the boss, oh, you'll stay there an extra five minutes. <laughs> they can be across the street and you will still sit there and hold that door just because you want that job. So it shows in our conversation, in our actions, in our ways. It shows just where our faith lies. And we say we have the wisdom of God, but we don't. We have the wisdom of man. Matter of fact, let's go back uh, to the first chapter. And Verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious, and burdleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Read that again. If any man among you seem to be religious, and burdleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is, is vain. I gotta read again. If any man among you seem to be religious. Now, James said, we got people saying they saved. They seem to be religious. They saying they saved. But they bridleth not his tongue. Now, this person can't even control what they say. They going off at the mouth all the time. But deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is all for nothing. Now, people say, <laughs> once you say, you're going to forever be saved. But here he said, their religion is completely for nothing. Skip over. Uh, let's go back to chapter 3. Because this is the wisdom of God. If we know how we should act, if we know how we should control ourselves and act, we will have the wisdom of God. Because again, Paul told us, uh, 
the scriptures are able to make us wise unto salvation. So if we know the scriptures, we can be saved because they'll tell us exactly what we need to know to please God. Let's uh, go to chapter 3 and verse 8 because we have people who seem to be religious but can't control their mouth. Chapter 3 and verse 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. The tongue. <laughs> Somebody said, I ain't got no poison in my mouth. I brush my teeth all the time. <laughs> I use mouthwash. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the words we say, they can destroy someone. And even more so, they'll destroy you. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Now, is that not us? We say, I love God. Man, bless God, because God has been so good to me. <laughs> and then as soon as someone does something we don't like, we cursing them. I hope something bad happened to them. Yep. <laughs> we curse them right out. Is that not us? He said, even though we curse people and they were made after the similitude of God. Look at how we do each other all through the tongue. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think you brought it up last week. Uh, we were talking about how the tongue is oh. kept. <laughs> the tongue is kept locked up but we unleash it all the time. The tongue is kept behind bars. That's the teeth. And then they throw a blanket over top of it and call it the lips. So God the whole time is trying to show us how to tame the tongue, but we can't control it. So let's keep going. He said, we'll bless God and we'll curse people. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brother, these things ought not to be so. Out of the very same mouth, we curse someone, and then we bless God. But we say we love each other, but we curse at each other all the time. Mm-hmm. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Mm-hmm. And the fig tree, my brother, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh? He said you can't bring so, He said you can't bring salt water and fresh water. I mean, we see that uh even with different bodies of water. <laughs> we know some bodies are salt water, some bodies are fresh water. They don't both bring the same thing. God God didn't design anything by mistake. So he said the same way you shouldn't be blessing folks sometimes and then cursing folks the other times. You shouldn't be that way. Because if you do, your salvation, your religion is in vain. Now that's wisdom. To truly understand just how God is going to judge us, that's wisdom. That's true wisdom. Because again, uh, Timothy said, matter of fact, let's go over there. Second uh, Timothy three fifteen. Let's start at fourteen. 
But continue thou in things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom that how thou hast learned them. So Paul is talking to Timothy here. He said, continue in the things you've learned and you know who you learned them from. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation. The scriptures are going to tell you just what it is you need to know to be saved. So, again, the Bible says, which Paul wrote, he said, God has chosen the foolish things of this world. That's how he operates. Through things that we look at through our eyes and we say, that's foolish to do. See, right now, when you tell people, when we sit here week after week and declare the baptism in Jesus' name, people say that's foolish. When we declare that we need to be baptized to be saved, people say that's foolish. That, that, nah, God don't, I don't have to do that. So many things that we tell people, they say, I just don't have to do that. But that's what God chose. Tony didn't choose it. Melvin didn't choose it because our opinion does not matter anyways. God chooses certain things and, and that's what he, that's how he's going to operate. Even from the very beginning, when we go back and we look at the offering that Cain and Abel gave, Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. Abel brought uh, one of the firstlings of the flock. He brought an animal. God said there needs to be bloodshed made. Now we know that fruits have no blood in them. A fruit does not carry blood. So God did not respect the offering that Cain gave. But we said that's foolish. What? Why God want me to kill an animal? What does that have to do with anything? That's what he chose. So many things God chooses for us to do, people say, that, that just doesn't make sense. Why would God want me to do that? To see if you're going to be obedient. The things that God asks us to do, they truly aren't hard if we would continue in his word. Um, I'll let you read. Sharon has a question. Hey, Sharon. Sharon says, how can you bless someone that has cursed you? What does that statement mean? I'm not really sure, even though I've heard it numerous times. To bless someone that's cursed you, let's go back. Let's go back to uh, when Jesus was talking. Um, uh, let's... See if I want the Luke one or the Matthew. I might go to Luke. Yeah, let's go to Luke. Luke the sixth chapter and verse twenty-seven. Good question, Sharon. Uh, but I say unto you, which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Now this already goes into answering that question. Bless them that curse you. Oh, Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Now, here it is already. The only way to truly uh, 
bless someone who might want to see evil things happen to you is to love them. Simply to love them. Uh, in one place, Jesus asked, he said, when I was hungry, you fed me not. When I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. So the only way we can truly bless someone is to help them, to do things for them. And now that's a hard thing to know someone, uh, I mean, there's so many extremes, but someone you may have hated your whole life for whatever reason, it's a hard thing to look at that person and they found, find themselves at, at your mercy. They need you for something. And you may see they need you and you say, well, somebody else gonna have to do it for because I'm not doing it. <laughs> so it's, it's really so many ways uh, to bless someone who wishes evil on you, who even may just curses you out in the way we think of cursing someone out. Uh, so many things, but let's let's keep going. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. Can we do that? Can we pray for them? Instead of saying, well, I hope some evil happens to them too. Can we say, man, I'm going to pray for you tonight. Matter of fact, I'm going to pray for you right now. And I'm going to pray for me too that I won't get ugly and evil with you the same way you're doing me. Because look at the way Jesus acted. When he was on the cross, as people spit on him, as people slapped him, as people humiliated him, he said, Father, forgive him. Can we do that? Can we say, God, I'm praying you forgive these people because I'm forgiving them. I forgive them for what they've done to me, God. Can we do that? So it's really a lot that goes into that. Uh, keep going, Mel. And unto him that smiteth thee on, on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away the cloak, forbid not to take th thy coat also. When someone does you wrong, we turn the other cheek to it. We don't look at what they did to us. We continue to love them despite what it is that they did. We continue. Like I said, when those people need your help, but sometimes we'll just turn a blind eye and say, well, they ain't need my help no way. <laughs> we'll see that people are in a situation where they need someone, and we'll turn our eyes and say, nah, I don't see nothing. So it, it's so many things that goes into that. Uh, look at verse 30. Give to every man that asketh, asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. Give to every man that asketh of thee. So, again, can we do that with our enemies? Can we do that with our enemies? Because look at, uh, keep reading down. Uh, and as you would, and as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Mm -hmm. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. So Jesus said, we're no different than a sinner because a sinner can love <laughs> a sinner can love someone that loves them. It's extremely easy for someone to love someone that loves them back. That's easy. But the real test comes when you go that extra mile. When you're going the extra mile for someone that truly doesn't even have your best interests at heart. 
that's a hard thing there. To love someone that does not even care about you. Keep going there. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. He said, we ain't no better. If that's how we, if that's how a saved person lives, they know better than the unsaved. So really, they're not even saved. James already said, he said, salvation is in vain. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. Mm -hmm. Beloved ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. He said, give to people not even looking for something in return. Give and don't even sit there and think about what we're going to get back. That's what we were talking about earlier. When I brought up how people will, even right now, people give so many free things to rich folks. Man, yes. People give so many free things to somebody that's already got everything. You like you had something to say, man. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like, I totally agree with that. Definitely. <laughs> like, why are you giving this free thing to this person who can easily just buy it? But like the people that are homeless, or you won't give them anything because they you ain't got nothing to them. give them back. <laughs> you won't even give them a four dollars so they can get a four for four from Wendy's. But I mean, <laughs> the poor have nothing to give back. So we see it every day. Uh, we were talking about this. Um, me and Melvin were talking about this maybe a week or two ago. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, one of the uh, top NBA basketball players, uh, is someplace there in Toronto or in Canada. I don't know where it is, but it's in Canada. They were offering to give this man, I think it was a free meal every day uh, for the rest of his life. If, you stayed in if he stayed in Toronto. See, they're willing to give something free to somebody already rich, he ain't got to worry about another meal in his life. They're willing to give something free because they're looking for something in return. That's how we operate. But Jesus said, you ain't no better than the next person. And we say we're truly saved. We say we're, we truly have the love for people. But he said, we know better than the next person. Let's keep going, Melvin. Man, I forgot. Uh... 36. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Be merciful. Can we forgive? Forgiveness. Now, that's, that's a tough one, too. Forgiveness. Because we look at things that people have done, and we say, it ain't no forgiveness for them. I'll never forgive this person for what they did to me. They lied to me. They stole from me. They robbed me. They killed people. I'm never forgiving them for that. They might have hurt someone in my family. I'll never forgive them. But that's not God. God said be merciful. He said if we don't forgive, then our Father in heaven won't forgive us. Now that's the book. So that's a way we can love someone. By forgiving them. That's a way we can bless someone. By forgiving them. We can bless someone by doing that. Right now, we look at, and I hear it all the time. I hear it all the time. People will look at a murderer or a rapist or whatever the most horrific crimes that we look at, 
as humans, we look at them and say, that person deserved to be killed. They deserve, people say it, they say, I hope they go to hell. That ain't a forgiving heart. That ain't merciful. No, we should be saying, I'm hoping and praying that they find God. That's what we should be hoping because God can change that person's life. We don't truly believe the Bible, though. We say we do, but we don't truly believe it. Because if we did, we would be begging and hoping that these people would truly find God because hell is for forever. So how can me being a true Christian and me knowing that I don't want to go to hell wish that somebody else goes to hell? He said, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. So do you want to go to hell? <laughs> do you want somebody to wish you to go to hell? So we, we contradict ourselves daily. Not knowing the scriptures. Jesus said, you do error. Not, not knowing, knowing the scriptures. <laughs> not knowing the power of God. You error. Because if you knew truly just how God can transform someone's life, just how God can take that murderer and change his life, that he couldn't stand murder anymore. He would even hate that he did it himself. If you knew that God could take a rapist, I mean, and I'm picking the, the most horrible things that we look at through our eyes as humans, and we say, I, I hope they rot in hell. Because I've heard so many people say that, people who claim Christianity. But <laughs> out of the same mouth preceded a blessing and a curse. Because that's what the devil wants. The devil wants people to go to hell. That's what the devil wants. The Bible said it's not the Father's will that any should perish. Now, that's God. So how can we say we're talking of God and wishing someone go to hell? Why? Because we don't have a pure heart. The Bible said, blessed are the pure at heart, for they shall see God. We don't have a pure heart if all we can do is continue to hold on to grudges. He said, don't, don't grudge people. He said, don't grudge not. He said, be merciful. Be forgiving. Be kind. Be meek. Be gentle. So it's so many ways that we can bless someone, but we choose to curse them all the time. We choose to hate them. And it's so sad, especially for Christians. I can understand how uh, people who don't believe in God, uh, they, they don't have any type of, uh, I won't say just because a person doesn't believe in God, they don't have any morals, but I can understand more so those people who don't believe in God and don't believe in second chances and forgiveness to say, yeah, I hope this person died. But we're talking about people who claim Christianity and say I have a love for people. So it's truly a sad thing, but once we can get to the place that we can say, man, I'm going to choose forgiveness, even though it's hard sometimes, it truly is. Especially when something is fresh on your mind that someone has done to you. We say, man, it's gonna be hard for me to forgive them. But still hold on to God and say, I'm gonna work on it because Know this, your salvation is at stake.
I want to pick that scripture up. Uh, let's let's run to Matthew the sixth chapter and verse fourteen because I I, I feel like so many uh, people that that proclaim Christianity I feel we don't read our Bibles and if we do we don't believe them. Look at uh, six and fourteen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now catch this now. He said, if. He said, if you forgive people their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Now that's an if. Mm-hmm. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now that don't take no interpretation. That don't take <laughs> a rocket science to figure it out. He said, if you don't forgive... God ain't going to forgive you. So how can we look at the murder and the rapist? And I'm by no means justifying their actions. But I am saying I'm praying that they find God before it's too late. I am saying that. Because God is loving. And God is a God of another chance. He is forgiving. He forgave us. The Bible said, we talked about it in Bible study. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were in fornication, while we were in adultery, uh, in idolatry, murdering, stealing, lying, while we were still doing that, God still found love for us. Can we find that love for each other, though? How can we say that we love God, whom we have never seen, and we hate the very people we see every day. We hate the people we see on TV. We hate the people we see on the internet. And we say we love God. A blessing and a cursing proceeding out of the same mouth. So it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot of things in here, um, Sharon. I hope I answered that question. Uh, but I was asking Melvin earlier. Uh, I said, I hope Sharon is going to be here because she said she had some questions last week. <laughs> she wanted answer. Um, so we definitely wanted to give you an opportunity to do that. And anyone else out there who has any questions uh, that they would like to be covered. Definitely. Um, we could run over to Proverbs, the 23rd chapter. And we're going to look at verse 4. Uh, labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. Now, <laughs> here we go again. It don't take a rocket science to understand this. Now, this is the Bible. And God sees if we believe it or not. Now, he says, labor not to be rich. Is that not what we all out here trying to do? I remember that's the reason I came to college. Is that not our goal in life as a humanity? To be rich. To live the American dream. But the Bible says <laughs> what we declare we believe in. <laughs> it says labor not to be rich. He says stop from your own wisdom. That's man's wisdom. Stop, stop from the way you think. 
because God's ways is not our ways, neither are his thoughts our thoughts. Stop thinking like that. He said, don't labor to be rich. Jesus followed up on that same statement. Jesus followed up on it. He said, it's going to be hard for the rich man to enter into heaven. See, this is true wisdom here. True wisdom on how to be saved. Because these are things God is requiring us to do. Jesus said, he says, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? He said, it is going to be easier for a camel to enter into the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. So we say, well, <laughs> what is, so God doesn't want us to, to have anything? How, how are we going to do this? Again, that's why Paul said, though we be poor, we make many rich. He told us we were going to have an inheritance among the saints. So God is confusing the earthly wisdom, the wisdom that we all grow up knowing. And he's trying to transform us into thinking like he thinks, thinking together, because all that believed were together and had all things common. And that's true love. It is true love when we can all share the same things, when we can all have everything and not me have everything and you have nothing. That's true togetherness. That's godly wisdom. God's wisdom is us looking out for each other. But what we're taught is just to make money for ourselves and forget <laughs> everybody else. I'm going to secure this bag for myself. <laughs> you say we, we uh, work to earn wages with a bag full of hoes. But so we see here, we're instructed not to work to be rich. Now he's talking about individually. He's not talking about being together and being rich. He's talking individual. They say, uh, together we stand and divided we fall. <laughs> because a lot of times we have the appearance of being together, but truly it's every man for himself because all of our funds are separate. It's all of us for ourselves because I can't truly feel someone else's pain when my bank account is sitting on a million bucks. I don't care. No matter how many uh, people we see die, no matter how many uh, car accidents we see as long as you still have all of your money in your bank account you still fine you might feel a little bad when you see it on TV but you go right on by your day because you say well as long as my family straight that's how we talk we said long as my people straight my kids straight but that's not God's wisdom that's not God's wisdom that's the wisdom that we've been taught as a society but God wants us to truly look out for each other, even if you don't know them. That's love. Again, it's easy to love those that love you and people you know. That's easy. 
He said, a sinner can do that. But God wants his people to be elevated, to be set apart, to be set aside, sanctified. It just means set apart. He wants his people to be different. We are uh, a holy people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. We're different. We have a different type of love we're supposed to. We're supposed to have a different type of love for each other. I'll let you read the question. Oh, I didn't know <laughs> Sharon says, Melvin read earlier to um, turn the other cheek. What about an eye for an eye? The Bible states both, right? So how do we separate the two? I hope I'm making sense. Yes. It's a very good question. It says an eye for an eye in the Old Testament. Jesus said, you have heard that, it's, that um, it said an eye for an eye. But I assure you, turn the other cheek. Go to uh, Matthew, the fifth chapter. That's the great thing about, excuse me, that's the great thing about God. He already foreseen all these questions being asked, so he already gave us all the answers. We just have to know where they are in the book. So uh, if you look at Matthew, the fifth chapter and verse 38, Jesus here, he is going to bring us up to speed. He's going to bring up things that happened in the Old Testament. And now he's going to tell us how we should be thinking in the New Testament. How we should be thinking now. So the Old Testament was nothing uh, but a shadow of things to come. The law, which is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, that was nothing but a shadow of what of what was going to come later because now I can say if someone uh, let's say someone steals uh, my motorcycle I don't even have one but hypothetically let's say someone steals my motorcycle and I know who it is now we can say well the Bible said an eye for an eye and a two for a two so that means I'm going to get my stuff back. And if I don't, I'm going to steal their car. I'm going to take whatever. I'm going to take something from them. They're going to feel this pain. That's the same scenario. That's just called getting even. But Jesus changed that. Now we don't operate that way because that's truly not love. Now let's look at, uh, we'll start at uh, verse 38. You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, ye have heard that it hath been said. Now, he's talking to Jews at this time because these were people who knew the law. So... He said, y'all know about an eye for an eye and a two for a two. But look at what he follows up. He says, but I say unto you, now we're going to get how we're supposed to be living now, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. He said, turn the other way. Move on. Forgive them. Love them anyways, even if they do you wrong. 
That's all he's talking about. Even if they do you wrong, still love them. It goes right back into forgiveness. It goes right back into being merciful. So, and actually, uh, it still is that same conversation because go down and look at verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. See, that's nothing but persecution. If somebody does you wrong, they ain't doing nothing but persecuting you. They, they doing nothing but evil towards you if they do you wrong. But he said, despite you doing evil back, one place he said, don't render evil for evil. Don't pay someone else back evil because they did you wrong. He said, instead of doing that, love them. Because that's hard. Now, it's easy to get somebody back. Oh, that's, that's real easy there. But the hardest thing it is for us to do is say, man, I'm going to let that slide. <laughs> we say, well... The first time, I'm going to let them slide. But the second time, I'm going to have to get them. But, he, but God said, no, 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 no. Let them go that second time. Let them go the third time. See, Peter asked about this. He said, how many times should I forgive somebody? Let, let's look at that. 70. He said, how many times should I forgive somebody? Uh, Matthew, the 18th chapter. And verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? How many times can I let somebody keep doing me wrong? How many times can I keep turning the other cheek, God? I mean, because after a while, God, it, it gets old. You only got two cheeks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it gets old after they keep doing me wrong. That's right, Sharon says 70 times 7. That's exactly right. <laughs> You want to go ahead and read that next one? Jesus says unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. So there you go, Sharon, which you already knew that answer. So we see here, we have to turn the other cheek a unlimited amount of times. We have to continue. And people say, you a fool if you let somebody keep doing you wrong. Now, people say, you a fool. They said, ain't no way in the world I would help somebody out that has hurt me so many times. But that's because they understand not the wisdom of God. See, the wisdom of God says you need to continue to love that person because that's how God does us. Yeah, that is a lot of forgiving, Sharon. <laughs> Sharon says that's a lot of forgiving. <laughs> but think about just how many times God has forgiven us. Think about how many times he's told us to do things and we didn't do them. So if we don't forgive them, he already said he won't forgive us either. What if God had the mindset that we have? What if God had the mindset that Peter said? What if God only forgave us seven times? <laughs> what, what if God adopted the same mindset that we have as people? As people, we say, well, once somebody mess up one time, I can't do it. Can't forgive them. What if God said that? We'd all be in hell. 
That's exactly why he said his thoughts are not our thoughts, <laughs> nor his ways are our ways. Just as far as heaven is above earth, that says how far his ways and thoughts are above ours. <laughs> we, do, we do some things, <laughs> and we say, well, I can't forgive him. I, I just can't let some things go that people can do. But that's not what God says. And he said in one place, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. We got to have that same mindset that Christ had. And Christ said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Christ said, forgive them. I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to give them another opportunity to make things right. Now, it's on them if they do. But we have to release them. We can't continue to hold that uh, grudge. So uh, I hope that answers your question, Sharon. It's a good question. Uh, but there are a lot of things that change from the Old Testament. Um, because uh, I'm looking for a scripture. Uh, oh, but there's a lot of things that changed from the Old Testament because we also seen in the Old Testament that if a person commits adultery, they were and they were caught, they were worthy to be killed under the law. But now Jesus changed that also, and we'll we'll pick that up right quick. Matthew five and twenty eight. Because now we have some more man's wisdom today. People say, I can look as long as I don't touch. <laughs> uh, Sharon made another comment. Uh, Sharon says, it, it's so hard sometimes, especially if it is something horrible that has been done. But yes, Tony, that does sum it up for me. Okay. Yep, definitely hard. But the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Mm -hmm. It's actually refreshing, honestly, to be able to forgive someone because it puts you in the same mindset as God, the one that we adore because of the level of love that he has for us. Just to even have a glimpse of that same love and forgiveness is really kind of refreshing, to be honest. Just to to look at, because if you look at people who can't forgive anyone, if you look at people who have so much hatred in their heart, just look at how unhappy they are. I mean, every time they see a certain person, they, they just, they automatically, they frown, they, oh, I hate them, I want to hurt them. <laughs> it, it's so unpleasant to see, honestly. But once you can have the true love of God and the true forgiveness, it makes you so much happier. You can you can actually sleep at night. If I can add something, I mean, think about, and I know most of us have gone through this, but think about that ex-boyfriend or that ex-girlfriend that you just couldn't get over at first. Like, they did you wrong, they broke your heart, so you broke up with them. And then you were stuck on them, like, man, I cannot get over this person. But when you finally were able to get over that person, the joy that you feel, the like when you can look at them, like you see them in the hallway or see them in the store or something, you look at them and then you don't feel anything at all. Like, man, I finally got over this. It is the same way when somebody has done you wrong. And um, at first you were like holding a grudge against them. Like, 
like Tony was just saying, they, they frown up and they say, man, I hate this person. I, I just have to get them back. I mean, that, that's not being happy. But it feels so great that when you, like when you can forgive them, turn the other cheek, keep keep on turning. That is such a great feeling to not have that um, burden, that grudge be held over your shoulder all the time. The feeling of I have to get them back. How can I get them back? You're stressing yourself, stressing yourself for no reason. Staying up all night trying to devise a plan. <laughs> Sharon says also being angry takes so much, so much energy and happiness away. It does. And it ultimately consumes you. But this Matthew verse, um, uh, Tony was saying how things have changed from the law into now. And just to give you a recap, um, he was saying, in the law, if you commit adultery, you had to be caught to do it, and then you were um, worthy to be punished. But now Jesus is changing things. He says, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to... That whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So we can see, just like he talked about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, he brought us up to speed and said, that's no longer how we're going to do things. Now we're commanded to turn the other way. Let it slide. Let it go. Now he said, because people say it all the time, they say, I can look all I want to and sitting there truly fantasizing over people. But God said, if you're looking on a person of that magnitude, lusting in your heart after them, you've already committed adultery. You've already committed fornication if you're doing this. So many things, now he's looking at our heart. In the Old Testament, it was just the physical act. Now it's spiritually in your heart. So we see there are things that's changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament as well as things that stay the same. So if I can add something really quickly, um, mm -hmm. a lot of people have the question, so what do we still have to follow from the Old Testament? Because <laughs> a lot of people, we look like we see um, one scripture in um, Leviticus, I forgot where, but it clearly states that homosexuality is an abomination. And so when we bring that up, people will say, oh, that's in the Old Testament. That's under the law. Y'all say we're not under the law anymore, so why do we have to continue to follow that? That is true. Um, the law was just a schoolmaster to bring us into crisis. That's the scripture as well. But, I mean, the easiest answer that um, I was given, I remember asking Tony this one time, and I'm pretty sure he's asked people before, like um, bishops that we listen to, and um, they would say if it deals with the heart, then we should still follow it. Like, for instance, homosexuality, murder, lying, stealing, that stuff deals with the heart. Like, it, like you're defining character. But with different things such as you should not wear your shirt with more than one material in it, that does not deal with your heart. And just different, like, just rules like that. We don't have to keep those anymore. But definitely the homosexuality, that's still the same. God looks at that the same way. Um, stealing, lying killing all of that all of that we still definitely do have to keep those so i mean that's one guy to to um know what rules to keep because i know Le leviticus is just a book full of rules that we um well that they have to follow in during those times so yeah that's really i just want to add that mm -hmm. 
Uh, hopefully, sharing that sums up uh, the question. Even though I know you didn't have a question about this particular scripture, <laughs> I kind of just decided to come here. But hopefully, all of that makes sense. Uh, and to everyone else out there that either is watching or will watch later, uh, hopefully that makes sense. That's our goal is to just break down all the scriptures as clear and concise as we can. We can actually uh, read down, read 29. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Mm-hmm. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable that thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Now, people look at this and say, well... Is he saying, <laughs> pluck out your right eye and cut off your right hand? Yes and no. What he's saying here is he's using physical things the way the Bible always does. It uses physical things to help us to comprehend something spiritually. So he's saying if your right hand was stopping you from following God the way he said do it, you need to get rid of it. So it's representing things that hinder us from doing what God said. Right now, people are suffering from all kinds of addictions. But part of the problem is some people don't believe that some of those habits are wrong. We can take uh, even uh, alcohol. I was talking to someone and they were talking about how they're picking up a habit of alcohol Uh, And as it relates to this scripture, Jesus is saying, if alcohol is stopping you, because we know God says no drunkards are going to inherit the kingdom of God. So if you're having an issue with alcohol, you need to cut that off. You need to get rid of that because it's better for you to enter into heaven sober without the alcohol than to continue drinking alcohol for the rest of your life, being a drunk, and go to hell. So it's so many things that can stop us from making it to heaven. He said, look, you just need to get rid of them. It's no purpose. Life is too short for you to hold on to these things that God wants you to let go of. So... I just wanted to kind of cover that verse because I've seen it coming up. So I just wanted to uh, really just bring up that verse. But it's always so much stuff that we could discuss. So, I mean, Sharon, if you have some more questions, definitely lay it on us. Well, I I don't really have anything. I think tonight's lesson was really good. I don't have anything to add to that but if no one else has any questions um, I always want to end with it um, have you been baptized in Jesus name and have you got the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues if not that should definitely be your prioritized mission because we do know that those are um, the requirements of God no matter how many people say that it is not you know a requirement 
like we say earlier, and we read it earlier in First Corinthians, um, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So like Tony was saying earlier, um, people will look at baptism and they say that's foolish. Why would um, God send me to hell if I don't go in some water that sees people got out the faucet that's thinking cornerly or uh, more relatable to the topic that is the wisdom of man because that's what man will look, look at. It's like taking a bath. And then for the... Um, for the ones that do believe in baptism, um, they say it doesn't matter what you're saying. It's about what you like, what what is being said when you're getting baptized. Um, specifically, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost versus in Jesus' name. That, um, most people will say that that's the same thing, and that you're being too picky. It doesn't matter what you're saying. And Matthew um, 28 19 or 19 to 28, I always get it mixed up. Um, Jesus says, "Go." and baptize, go teach his word to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And we try to explain it so many times that Father is not a name, Son is not a name, Holy Ghost is not a name. If we look there, we see the name is singular there. So it's one name. And then we take it over to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. I mean, it's many places we see that um, all those people well, all those titles, all those words are just titles. Um, and I see your comment, Sharon. But all those are um, just titles and not a name. So we have to go down in that name of Jesus, even though it may seem foolish. But it's definitely what God is calling everybody to do. All right, so Sharon says the New Testament has new laws, but we still should follow the Old Testament if we really have Christ in our hearts. Is that what you were stating, Melvin? No, I was, um, well, basically, but I was saying that not everything stated in the Old Testament we still have to upkeep today. For instance, um, they were forced to do a lot of things. Um, uh, and I can relate it to the time today. Like we could say we're having church, like be here at this time. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you're in Alaska and it's 3 p.m. You better have your butt here by 6 p.m. A lot of things was were, were forced. But um, I'm saying like a lot of those things, and I mean, we can go to the scripture if you, if you want, it doesn't matter. But um, the law, which is um, what I was saying, like all those rules in Leviticus and all um, in the Old Testament, it was just a schoolmaster to bring us into Christ. And like um, Tony gave me an example when he was first getting me to read. Um, and he said, and this could be used for um, like in the Old Testament, he didn't want us to eat meat of the dirtier animals, like for instance, pigs and stuff like with bacon. And a lot of people try to keep that today. But Tony gave me an example. He said, if you had a little um, five or six year old son and he wanted to go outside and ride his bike, you tell, you tell um, the kid that, hey, you better stay out of that street. But we know that the street isn't the danger itself. It's the cars in there. But the, the kid may not realize that at that time. So you tell him what he can understand and what he or she understands is to stay out of the road. And then when they get older, so like us, when we get when we grow in Christ and start to understand things better, you can tell them the real reason. Hey, I didn't want you in that street because of those cars in there. So that's the same way that we are. Dealing, when dealing with the Old Testament, it is still very important for us to read the Old Testament because it tells us why we have to do a lot of things that we do that's, that is stated in the New Testament, but not everything we have to keep. And if you want to add anything to that, please add, because I know you can make things a lot more clear than I can. 
Yeah, he he basically saying yeah, just the law was the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Um, so a lot of times, especially us today, we want to go back and pick up the law when we're not even Jews. The law was never even given to us. So people today, we want to go back and keep the Sabbath day. We want to go back and not eat pork and not eat certain meats. But those things were never given to us even in the first place. We're Gentiles. We're non-Jewish people. But despite all of that, if you just don't want to eat certain meats, that's okay. You don't have to. But it is not a sin for us to eat certain meat. So a lot of times we we just have to have an understanding. He said, with all that getting, get an understanding. We have to have an understanding of what it is that God expects us to keep from the Old Testament. And he tells us all throughout the Bible, we just have to be willing to get in there and look. The commandments, uh, the Ten Commandments, we still have to follow that. We still have to follow all those things. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not uh, bear false witness. All those things we still have to do. So, uh, like Melvin already said, um, the Old Testament tells us why we need to do it. The New Testament tells us what we should do. The Old Testament tells us why we should do it. Uh, Paul writes in one place, he said, the Old Testament was written for our example. It tells us why we need to do the things. So, I mean, the Old Testament is extremely important because if we truly have understanding of the Bible, we see nothing but Jesus in the Old Testament. If you have a true understanding of the Bible, you'll see nothing but Jesus Christ being preached in the Old Testament. But it was not time for him to be revealed yet. That's why uh, John writes in Revelations 1 and 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, because the Lord Almighty is being revealed to us. Uh, but before I start going too far, uh, I hope that makes sense. But it really just takes a lot of uh, reading and continuing to ask questions because questions are extremely important. Uh, that's definitely how you learn. Because I know I ask a lot of questions. <laughs> I, I call people multiple times back to back asking a lot of questions. Um, so definitely, uh, Melvin, you have something else you want to say? I really. But uh, yeah, Sharon. Um, It becomes easier to understand what we need to do versus what we don't need to do. And Jesus clears it up as well as the rest of the New Testament. It clears up what we need to be doing versus what we don't need to be doing. Because the people um, at during that time, especially Paul, he had some of those same questions. He has some of those same concerns, people wanting to keep certain things from the Old Testament that they no longer had to do. So at some point, we'll definitely get to it at one point or another. We'll get to so many things, so many questions, um, as long as everyone's willing to stick with it. Yeah, and we definitely appreciate and enjoy your questions, Sharon. 
because um, we know that most people are not interested. <laughs> they don't care about learning about God. <laughs> They're going to wish they did, though. That's the one thing that I can assure But definitely um, keep asking the questions. No matter what, in my inbox or you, know, you see me at work, definitely keep the questions coming. Because questions are um, opportunities for everyone to learn. Mm-hmm. And I know that other people will have the same questions that you have, but will just won't ask for whatever reason. So... Never know when you have the same question that someone else has. Somebody could um, watch this video years down the line, mm-hmm. and we'll get their question answered. I know that happens to me. I watch videos and I'll read through some comments, and I'm like, ah, I was kind of thinking that too. Yep. So definitely, no matter what. I mean, I, I know like some questions are you know like more personal and um, confidential. So those, you know, don't have to be asked in the live stream, but um, definitely for any question you have, just just ask them. Mm-hmm. And we'll answer it to the best of our knowledge according to what the scripture says. And definitely not from man's wisdom or our own opinion or what we think or feel because none of that matters to God. What he says goes. God's a dictator here. Because just speaking on the whole the whole baptism and getting the Holy Ghost thing, like if it were up to me, I don't care. Like all you had to do was just be a nice person. If Melvin, you know, if it was up to Melvin how you get into heaven, just be a nice person. But that's not what God is requiring. Sarah says, back to the title of your lesson, which is wisdom of God or man. Doesn't God give the wisdom to men to teach his people? Again, I hope I'm making sense. Yep, I definitely understand what you're saying. So what you're saying, if God gives his wisdom to the preacher and then the preacher teaches it, that's just like we read the scripture today. Paul said, I'm not coming with enticing words or with um, men's wisdom because if God gives that wisdom to that man and that man gives that wisdom to us, that's not his wisdom. That's still God's wisdom. But I definitely do understand what you're saying. And Tony, feel free to make that even more clear. (laughs) So when we look at God's wisdom versus man's wisdom, oftentimes when, and I was talking about um, earlier, when people determine what preacher they're going to listen to, we start looking at it through our own eyes. We say, well, let me see how many followers they got. Let me see how long they've been preaching. I wonder if they got a TV broadcast. See, people, (laughs) we're fast to listen to someone just because they're on TV, just because they have a popular name. we say, well, I'm going to listen to Creflo Dollar or somebody who is uh, widespread, uh, <laughs> uh, T.D. Jakes. So many, so many mainstream preachers, those are the people we look through man's wisdom and say, I'll listen to them. I'll trust what they say over what Melvin says. I'll trust what they say over what Tony says just because of who they are. We'll look at... Uh, their credentials. I've talked to people uh, that I met 
and I'll tell them I'm a minister. And the first thing they ask me is, well, you've been to a seminary school? Uh, you got your license on you? I mean, they want you to show license and registration like you got pulled over by a police officer. <laughs> so, <laughs> but when we read the Bible, God's not concerned with no piece of paper that says you a minister. That's not what God's concerned with. So when we look at man's wisdom, it's completely different than God's wisdom because, again, God is going to take the foolish things of the world and use them for his own glory. Uh, one example, um, let, me, let me see if I can pull it up. We'll go, we'll go take a look at that. Uh, let's go to Numbers, the 21st chapter. We'll see Moses here. 21st? Uh, 21st chapter, yep. 21st chapter. And we'll start at verse. Start at verse 5. Uh, Numbers chapter 21 and verse 5. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. Now the people are speaking against God, and they're doing so by speaking against Moses. Because Moses told them what God wanted them to do. So let's, let's keep going. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. God gets tired of all this complaining we're doing. And so he sent serpents to bite these people, and they died. All right. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee, praying to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. Now, it takes God to put us in a situation where we're going to end up calling after him again anyways. They recognized they needed God, and they recognized they were doing wrong. Praise God. So they said, look, pray for us. And the, uh, yeah. and the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, looketh upon it shall live. Now, is that not foolishness? God had taken the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Is this not foolishness? God told Moses, he said, take a snake and put it on a pole, raise it up. And when somebody is, if they have been bitten by a snake, if they just look on this snake, they'll live. Now that's foolishness. Somebody said, man, that, that's not going to work. When uh, Namath, he went down to Elisha's house and he had leprosy, Elisha told him, go down to the Jordan River, dip yourself seven times, and when you come up that seven times, that seventh time, you'll be clean. Now, that's foolishness. People say, that don't make sense. That's not, what does that have to do with anything? He need to go to the doctor. He need to have surgery. So many things people say 
They said that's foolishness. Again, today, Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We look at it today and say, baptism ain't got nothing to do with nothing. <laughs> Folks today said, baptism don't mean a single thing. It ain't nothing but some water. So many things God tell us to do, we say it's foolishness. But if we understood God operates that way, he takes the foolish things. See, God took the, the children of Israel. He took them over dry ground. He caused the water to part on both sides, and they walked over on dry ground. See, that's foolishness. People said, no, nah, that ain't happening. <laughs> People look at it, they say, that, that's fake. That's a made-up story. Ain't no way that happened. It looks like foolishness because we said, when, I ain't never seen that happen before. They said that's foolishness. In the days of Noah, he was going around preaching foolishness to folks. He said, look, everybody, it's going to be a rain. It's going to come and destroy all of humanity. Everything that we know of today is going to be destroyed because God said so. God chose that foolishness because it really isn't foolishness to him. It's foolishness to the man's eye, to our eye, the way we look at things. God takes things out of the ordinary. See, we know right now certain times, so many times we've seen it happen, even throughout uh, the medical field, we'll look at situations where somebody may have gotten shot in the head and doctors will say, I don't know how that person didn't die. They say, it is nothing short of a miracle that this person made it. They said, oh, it hit this nerve and it did this damage. Oh, they should have been paralyzed. They'll never walk again. So many things God takes and he transforms it. He said, they don't know what they're talking about because it's God operating behind those things. So God takes foolish things and he makes it make all kinds of sense. He makes it make more sense than sense ever made. <laughs> God does these things. So if we were to listen to God, everything will make sense. He said, then shall they know if they follow on to know. If you get in God, trust him. Sure, some things are not going to make sense based on your own thinking. But if you continue on with God, He'll make everything make sense. We say right now, I just don't see how somebody can forgive somebody. They done murdered somebody in their family. I don't see how you can pray for them. And that's because you don't understand God. The more we truly learn who he is, it all makes sense. So here again, we see God told them to raise up a serpent. And if they look on it, They'll be saved. They'll have life. Keep going, Melvin. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Anything that God says, it comes to pass. Uh, Sharon says, this may sound silly, but how would one depict or know a preacher that is a wolf in sheep's clothing, so to speak, over one who is not a wolf and is a real shepherd who is leading their flock? And if that wolf, in quotes, has been leading your family church for years and everyone that thinks he, she is right, I really tried to word this carefully. No, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Yep. 
we have to compare a person's life by the scriptures. That's all we have to go by. Not what I say, not what Melvin says, not what anyone says in this world. We have to go by what the scripture says. The scripture says you will know them by the fruits that they bear. Let's, let's go pick that up. Uh, it's in the book of, I gotta find it. I don't know where it's at off the top of my head. Is it Matthew somewhere? I don't know. It's in one of those four Gospels. It looks like it's one in Matthew and Luke. I'm going to go, yeah, I should know. It's in Matthew. I, Matthew 7. I'm, I'm, <laughs> why not? Because he talks about the sheep in wolf clothing or the wolf in sheep's clothing. I don't know why I didn't think about that in the first place. Uh, let's uh, Matthew 7 and 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Mm -hmm. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. He says, Jesus talking here, he said, you'll know a false prophet by the fruits that they bear. Now, Sharon, I'm going to be honest with you. Even if you notice that someone is a false prophet, now it's going to be a hard thing for you to get everyone in your family to notice because Jesus himself went around teaching and preaching. And now Jesus, he said he is the way. But Jesus' own family, even members of his own family rejected him. So it's going to be a hard task. Now, I'm not saying don't try, but I'm saying if you can see that someone is a false prophet, it, everyone else ain't going to see it. That's the trouble I've been having since I started doing what I've been doing. Everyone ain't going to see it. But if you can see it, praise God. So now this is how we'll know. Jesus here says, ye shall know them by their fruits. Now, he ain't talking about if they got a green tree, uh, a green apple tree, <laughs> or a pear tree, or a plum tree. He, he ain't talking about them kind of fruits. He's talking about their actions, how they live. Do they practice what they preach? Are they doing what God said do? He says, even so, in verse 17, even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Now, he's talking, the tree here, he is relating to the person. He's calling me a tree. He's calling Melvin a tree. You a tree. Now, follow me now. I'm going to try to break this down play to you. We know, take a natural tree. A natural tree is not going to bring forth evil fruit. You're never going to look at a piece of uh, a, a plum and say, that's an evil plum right there. Ooh, that's an evil plum. No. <laughs> he's talking about, he's relating the, the natural thing to us. So we're, we'll follow that up. Look at verse 19. 
Yeah. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. See, now he's talking about throwing a tree into the fire because it's not bringing forth good fruit. Instead, it was bringing forth evil fruit. Now, what is evil is us. So he says, if a person is evil in their actions, in their ways, they're going to be cut down and thrown into the fire, hell, the lake of fire. So look at how he follows it up in verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. That's the separation. Someone who does the will of God. Those are the people that are going to be saved. A preacher that does the will of God that is the one who is not a false prophet if they do the will of God. You'll know them by their actions. Uh, and we won't pick it up, but uh, John the Baptist told them in one place, he said, bring forth uh, fruits, meat for repentance. He said, bring forth some actions. Fruits, none, fruits here is just talking about their actions. Evil actions, good actions. So, he says here, the only people that are going to be saved are those that do the will of God. So, uh, keep going. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, we have many false prophets that are out there doing many wonderful works in God's name. Casting out devils, praying for people, teaching Bible studies every week, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Thursday, going to conventions, doing so many different things that we say a preacher is supposed to do. But how is it that at every church we have a different faith? That's not of God. God doesn't have a Baptist preacher, a Methodist preacher, a Pentecostal preacher, uh, a Catholic preacher. Uh, he doesn't have all these different churches. God is not the author of confusion. God didn't create a uh, um, hundred thousand different denominations. God didn't do that. The devil did that. But we being deceived go there because we say our families went there. Now, let's go to the book of Acts 2.38. Now, this is one easy way to know if your preacher is preaching, if any preacher, it doesn't matter who it is, all we have to go by is what's in the book. Now, Jesus gave Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus gave Peter the keys. Now, if we take a natural key, we know a key is to let us inside a door. That's locked. <laughs> That's locked, as Melvin said. <laughs> so, Jesus gave Peter the keys to get inside the door of heaven. So we need to take what Peter said and follow it. 
So if your preacher, if anyone's preacher, I don't care if it's my preacher, if he does not do what we see Peter say in the book as well as every one of the other apostles, if we don't see them uh, do what they said, then that's a false prophet because Jesus said in one place, uh, he that heareth you heareth me. Now he was talking to the disciples. He told the 12, he that heareth you, talking about the 12, so he that hears the 12 hears me. He that hears the 12 hears Jesus. And he that hears Jesus hears him that sent him. So here's God. So if we listen to the 12, we're listening to Jesus and we're listening to God. So let's see what Peter said because <laughs> a lot of times we try to, as, as uh, churchgoers, we try to go around what Peter said. Look at Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter said, now this is the book, Peter said, repent and get baptized in Jesus' name. Now, that's what Peter said, plain as day. As plain as day. Peter said, go and get baptized in Jesus' name. So if we can talk to our preacher and say, I want to know how I need to be baptized. If he says anything other than in Jesus' name, it ain't right. It's not so. So that's one easy way. Now, so many things uh, to look at, but that, that's an easy way uh, to look at it because, again, if we go to the 19th chapter of Acts, we'll see Paul go down and he baptized people in Jesus' name. So how is it that the <coughs> apostles baptized in Jesus' name, but majority of us today want to be baptized other ways? The devil has came. <laughs> he has come as a wolf in sheep clothing. So uh, I hope that answers what you were asking, Sharon. Um, but it is, it's a lot of deep stuff. It's a lot of deep stuff. And I can guarantee you a lot of people have that question. How do you know when a preacher is preaching what's right? <laughs> Like um, Tony was saying earlier, they a lot of them look at how big of a following they have, because they if because in their minds they say, man, this person has a million followers. His stuff always gets promoted and shared on Facebook. There is no way he can be wrong if all of these people, the majority of these of the of the people, let's just say in the United States, follow this person. He has to be right. But in the scripture, it says the majority of people go to hell. So not in all cases, but if the majority of people are following something, nine times out of ten, it's not going to be right. So just because they have this huge church with a million members donating money to them and the preacher not doing anything for the people, then, I mean, nine times out of ten, they're not going to be teaching the right thing. I remember seeing a, an interview with um, Joel Osteen. 
And I'm not sure how old it is, but I saw it um, a couple months ago. And the interviewer, he asked, how do people get to heaven? Joe Lowstein, he, he couldn't even answer it. He kept, like, giving the feet, beat, beating around the pushes, they say. Like, man, I, I, I don't know. I don't see. But these are the type of people that we give all our money to, that we listen to. But we're not going, we're not checking them. We're not going behind them and studying the scripture for what they are. We're not going down in Jesus' name and getting the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because we see in John chapter 3, verse, verses 1 through 5, like really that whole chapter, like we see that the first two things we must do in order to get an actual understanding of the scripture is to go down in Jesus' name and get the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that sounds foolish, I know. But until we do those two essential steps we won't be able to understand what the scripture is saying there's some stuff that we can understand like i mean if we look at acts 238 i mean that's pretty clear be baptized in jesus name for the remission of the forgiveness of sins that's pretty clear but there's a lot of deep things that we don't really even really mention we're barely scratching the surface of the surface when it comes to the bible but people don't want to do those first essential steps in order to get a true understanding they will rather listen to all of these big big time preachers with all the following because I mean in looking at it with the carnal mind it does make sense but thinking about it spiritually and with the wisdom of God that's what we have to take into consideration when we're uh, when we're trying to see what's right because that's the ultimate goal is to be right and to make it to heaven and that's all we're trying to do is bring the truth out to people. And like I say, don't just listen to our words. And a lot of people won't even say that. They'll just say, look, this is right. Look, don't even read the script. Like, this is what I'm telling you is right. But we're telling you the exact opposite. We want you to check behind what we're saying. We want you to read the scripture for yourself and make sure that what we're saying is aligned with what the scripture says. We want you to take a look at our lives and make sure that it's following that it's aligned perfectly with the scripture because i mean if a pastor kicks somebody out of church i mean we know that like that's not right like i was saying um in a couple live streams ago that a person fell behind on giving their tithes and offerings and they got a letter in the mail saying that they were kicked out of church and you know a church that's the place you're supposed to come in order to get help and we talked about that before in our live stream called The Preacher's Job, what all the preacher is responsible for. He's responsible for his members to take care of them, to make sure they have everything that they need, everything that they need. So, I mean, that's one way to say, um, just um, tell who is the false preacher. Is he providing you what you need? Can you go to that preacher to get anything that you need? Do all the members have all of the same things, or is there big shots in the church? Is there... Um, like one preacher says, they're a big eye and a little you. If so, then that's a false, false prophet. If he is not working towards making everyone equal. Right. Because everyone's not going to start out, obviously, exactly. on the same page. But if he's not working towards making everyone evil, equal, excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> making everyone equal, something's wrong there. Because that's the goal, us all playing on the same field. A level field doesn't matter your uh, race your nationality your age <laughs> gender none of that matters 
<laughs> it only matters to us. Sadly, we look at shape and size <laughs> and everything in between, and that's how we choose our respect for a person. Yep. But, I mean, do you have any more questions, Sharon? If you do, please ask. Sharon says, great answer, guys. Thank you. Great questions, Sharon. Oh, man, we're almost at two hours. Time <laughs> definitely does fly. When you're having fun, time flies. <laughs> People look at you crazy. You having fun talking about God? <laughs> man, you just don't know. And I wish you saw it. And I wish you underst understood. <laughs> I pray for everyone's understanding. That they one day wake up to see the severity and the um, repercussions of their actions if they don't get straight with God. That's what we should be praying, as Tony mentioned earlier. Whenever somebody does us wrong, we should instead of wishing them to go to hell, we should wish them wish for them to find God. Because when you find God, that is definitely the happiest that you will ever be. Mm -hmm. I was talking to a guy today, and I'm gonna leave it at this if. No one has any more questions. But I was talking to a guy today, um, and uh, he was asking me a bunch of questions, and I was telling him things, and uh, he wasn't really comprehending it. But uh, then he was telling me about certain habits, um, how he was trying to let go of habits, and even after that, he seemed to be picking up different habits. And I said, man, what you're experiencing is really what everybody else does. God created, he said, he said I said, why do you do that? He said, I'm trying to uh, feel this emptiness. He said, I'm trying to, uh, I forgot how he put it, but I said, yeah, there's a void there. And there's a void in every single one of our lives. And that void is meant for God to fill. But we choose whether we're going to let him or not. I said, some of us choose to uh, make a habit of drinking alcohol. Some people say, man, I can't, I can't go to sleep unless I drink something. Some people say, I can't go to sleep unless I smoke something. I have to feel whatever habit it is that I've created. I have to do it or else I just can't be right. Why? Because there's a void there. And so if we were to choose God, he'd fill that void for us eternally. But we choose a temporary measure. We choose a high that won't last long. So many things that won't last long I mean, don't last no time at all. But that's what we choose to fill that void instead of God. He said, man, I, I get everything you said now. <laughs> so I hope someone out there would realize, and I probably should have said this at the beginning because somebody's not going to watch the video this long. But I hope someone would realize the emptiness that we feel, we can easily mask that feeling with some type of addiction. But we truly won't be satisfied. We truly won't quench that thirst unless we fill that void with God. And I mean the true God, 
the true God. Uh, but Sharon has Sharon a, says, again, I have enjoyed you guys a lot. I hate I missed the live last week, but did go back and watch it. You both are great at what you are doing. In my, and may God bless you both. I have to leave because we are about to pray over this fish fry. <laughs> Good All night, right, <laughs> Enjoy the fish fry. And All thank right, you Sharon. so much for your questions. They are greatly appreciated in helping you get a better understanding, whoever else out there that may be watching. Whether they have the question or not, I'm pretty sure they may not have known or may not have even thought to ask the question, but now that they, they have the knowledge and the answer to that question. So thank you again. Thanks, Sharon. And you have a blessed night. Thank you, Sharon. Enjoy that fish fry. That, show, that does sound good. <laughs> so long. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, so I'm hoping that everyone would Fill the empty void that we all have with the one true God. Um, but that's really all that I have. Like Tony was saying, like those highs that we chase, they don't last long. And just think about it. Like the more we do it, the more it takes for us to achieve that feeling. Like, for instance, weed or something. The more we smoke, the more it will take for us to, you know, to get high. But when it comes to God, that's a high that lasts a lifetime. And it's something that you can feel 24-7. You can feel it on your job. I mean, you can't feel the high weed on your Well, I mean, you can, but. <laughs> you got to try to hide it. Right, you got to try to hide it. But the high of God can be felt 24-7. And I, and I want to tell you it's the greatest feeling. But, um. That's it for whoever has made it this far. You're definitely in the minority of people. <laughs> and um, same time Tuesday at 6.30 in J.D. Williams Library, Studio One recording. You don't have to be a student to attend. You don't have to be a student to park. So whoever wants to come, sometime we have refreshments such as pizza and water. High quality H2O. <laughs> <laughs> so... For the people that come, we definitely appreciate it, and we hope to see you then. And for the people who aren't able to make it to our Bible studies in person, we hope to see you on our live streams for you to ask questions, whether you agree, whether you disagree. We're all trying to, we all should have the same goal here, and that's mm -hmm. to be right. So if that's it, then we shall definitely see you guys the next time. Thanks, so thanks for, for watching.